0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Thank you. Good to be back again. Um, yeah, not, not in my flannel or no seas today, so don't worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really excited about this series. Uh, I feel, to be honest, I feel a bit out of my depth because I haven't had a, a working career just yet. But um, yeah, bear with me as I, I try and understand um, it all for, and communicate that back to you as well. Great, we always look forward to holidays. So when is your next holiday? Perhaps you've already had, oops, oh, sorry, Mike. Perhaps you've already had a mid-year break or you're looking forward to one coming up soon or maybe you didn't quite get the chance to get away this year. Um, on Friday, my parents left to go on a eight-week trip around Australia, so they're, they're heading out to Uluru um, all the way down to Cooper Pedy, and then to Canberra to see family and then back up to Bruce Bryn again. Um, so they've been looking forward to this holiday for about a year <laughs> and Dad's saved up all of his long service leave um, to spend it all at once. Dad's a high school teacher and I've watched him work so hard over the years. And you can always tell what point in the term it is by the way Dad looks. If he's feeling fresh, you're in week one. If he's looking really, really, really tired, it's probably two days until the end of term. But we all have this thing of we always look forward to holidays. Um, I'll be flying out in two weeks to meet them in Uluru, and I feel so excited, but I know in the next two weeks, it's got a big slog. I've got a lot of to-do lists. I've got a few essays I probably should have already started. I've got a few things um, on my social calendar as well. So the next two weeks are quite busy, but I've got that yearning and that looking forward to the holiday. So are you looking forward to your next holiday? Or perhaps you are feeling a bit desperate like me, wanting to get escape from the, the usual work routine and the daily tasks that you have. But perhaps you are also thinking deeper down in your heart, oh, I'm ready for a holiday because finally I'll have time to get away with God in time to worship Him again. Do you think we have this same attitude when it comes to our Sunday worship service? Let alone that, I know many people who work for the weekends at my age, pushing through their first year of work to get to the weekend so that they can spend all their money doing whatever they like. Or maybe you're you're working and you're dreaming of using your jet ski on the weekend to escape your boss, or perhaps you've got a very, very busy week and a busy day on Friday, and you schedule in a movie on Friday night just to relieve and relieve yourself from that meeting. Again, do you think we have the same attitude when it comes to our service on the Sunday? A place where we can escape the Monday 9 to 5, Where we forget about our boss for two hours or find relief after all our stressful meetings throughout the week. Crawling through our work week, do we hear ourselves say, oh, finally a place where I can spend time with God and worship him. There is no doubt that Sunday worship at church can feel a little like a mini two hour holiday. There is such ease when we come here for starters, we come here, we sing, we pray, we sing again, we uh, listen, we smile, we laugh, then we pray, we sing, and then we go out and have tea and coffee, and we have a chat, and then we go home and have a nap. <laughs> it sounds like a perfect little holiday to me. But to be honest, um, when we come and join in worship, we're giving our adoration to Christ, which is one of the easiest things to do. So worship doesn't feel like work. Yet when church is finished and the Sunday night comes, we get the ugh of Monday. Work feels, feels far from the cry of the Sunday worship, of the corporate worship. So work doesn't feel like worship. I don't know about you, but do you sing, do you pray, do you sing, and then do you listen, and then do you smile, do you laugh, do you have tea and coffee, do you go home for a nap on Wednesday between 10am and 12pm? Perhaps if you were a monk, maybe, or more specifically, maybe a Mexican monk with the siesta included in your day schedule, but that's a very, very, very niche vocation, and none of us have that vocation. So it's more likely that our 10 to 12 on a Wednesday is filled with making sure little Zoe has a nap so that the rest of the day is more enjoyable, or making sure that we attend that meeting because it would depend on how we communicate with China and Europe at this time in the world. Or perhaps on Wednesday you are driving across Brisbane to run an errand that you urgently need for that night. Work doesn't feel like worship. No wonder we and the rest of the world try and escape our work. No wonder we crawl in exhaustion from holiday to holiday, from Sunday to Sunday. Worship does not feel like work. And work does not feel like worship. In your mind, think to yourself, what is the life of a Christian? Now, that might be a bit of a loaded question, but what do you think the life of a Christian should be? Is it work or is it worship? For example, changing a nappy or singing a hymn. Is that work or is it worship? Drafting a proper legal document or, from the reading today, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom through the Psalms. Which is more important in the Christian life, work or worship? Making sure your patient is comfortable as you're fixing their root canal, or singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Work or worship? In Colossians 3:15 to 24, we find the reading for today. And Paul is addressing the church in Colossae at the moment. He begins by addressing the church in the context of corporate worship so the 10 10 a.m to 12 p.m on a Sunday in the synagogue and this is what he says let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs for the spirit, so from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And a key verse: "And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." Naturally, in the scripture, there is a break in the unit of thought here where it suggests that Paul might be addressing a different context in these following verses. And in the following verses, Paul is addressing the household. Now, this is interesting. Paul, along with the Roman world, considered the household to be the place of work, the most important expenditure of time throughout the week. So Paul begins to address the church now, considering what they'd be doing on Wednesday between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Do it not only when their eye is on you or to curry their favor, with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And the key verse in this context, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So having read this, to ask the same question, what do you think the life of a Christian is? Is it to work or is it to worship? What I think when I was spending time looking at this scripture, what I really think Paul is saying is work should feel like worship. Work should feel like worship because there is no divide. There is no sacred nor secular divide and there is no divide between work and worship. And secondly, because Jesus is our Lord, we can work onto him. So in the context of the gathered worship, Paul uses the key verse in verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then in the second context of work, um, Paul also says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So we have that same phrase, whatever you do, whether it is worship, whether it is work, whatever you do. So from this, we can, we can come to an understanding that Paul is encouraging us to have the same attitude as what we would have to worship as to our work and vice versa, the same attitude we have to our work, we can have to our worship. Sing to God with all your heart and work with all your heart. And it's interesting that Paul finds his adoration of Christ to fuel his action to his work. And I don't know about you as well, if it works the other way around too. Have you ever had a really, really good day at work and you've left the office singing a hymn to yourself or thanking God and giving him a prayer of praise? I think it's very much a circular thing. Our adoration encourages us to our action and our action encourages us to our adoration of Christ. Because of this, the second point, work therefore feels like worship because Jesus is our Lord. Again, in the context of the gathered worship, we come back to those two pivotal verses, verse 17 and verse 23. And we have the phrase, and whatever you do, do it in wor- whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And in the context of work in the same um, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And it's interesting to look at the household where Paul is addressing um, this, this circle of adoration and action. It's important to note the how these this restructure and this um, Paul's revaluing of the households would have been revolutionary in the day. It's clear that um, modern uh, Roman philosophers like Aristotle and Plato um, also discussed the Roman household as the unit and its critical place within the, the stability of society. It was the cornerstone of society where peace was effectively maintained. So everyone in Paul's world knew that the household had importance for their work and that the household was considered as work to influence the society. So as Paul writes, wives and husbands love each other as is fitting to the Lord. We go back to this. Then he addresses children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Slaves, work with all your heart and in reverence for the Lord. So Paul completely flips the whole understanding in the context of the day. Giving value to the people, to their job, to their work, and to their worship as well. And we can join in in that as well. When we realise that Christ is Lord of all of our life, we can have the reverence for Him in our work as well. Work becomes worship because Jesus Christ is our Lord. So now that we can see that Paul is trying to marry the the very dualistic thinking of the day, how does that uh, influence us as we kind of still live in that society as well? I was actually talking to one of the students um, on Saturday. Uh, She's not Christian, but she's been to our Bible study for a bit. She's grown up in a Hindu background uh, where uh, she's Indian as well. So work in their culture is very much... Work to get the money, and I was just telling her this concept, and she was like, "Oh no, I, no, work is not worship." Yeah, it, it, it just struck me how um, how divided um, normal thinking is. Like this is this is a very Christian way to think about work, and um, yeah, it's very very common. People in your workplace and people that you encounter will have that dualistic thinking as well. You've probably already encountered that as well. So what can we do to bridge this divide? If we, ha- if we still have our worship service on Sunday and we have our work on Wednesday, how can we marry this divide that we find? There's plenty of research that can help us with this. Um, particularly, there's this book by Denise Daniels and Sharon Vander Walker, um, which is about working in the presence of God. And they have produced a lot of material. Um, If you're interested, I recommend it to you. Um, They have about 11 practices that help bridge um, the gap of the sacred-secular divide that we can uh, overcome as Christians. Because the main thing that they discuss is we have this reverence for Christ in our worship, but we don't know how to bring it to our work. So they've suggested ways that we can bring worship into our work, particularly through um, practices that we practice at church. So reading scripture in your workplace is one that they suggest. Um, It's actually refreshing. I don't know if you've um, done this before. Reading scripture outside of your your quiet time chair or outside of your uh, little space where you usually read scripture. Um, you get a new perspective and a new understanding. And say if you've got an interesting situation with one of your colleagues, if you're reading about loving your neighbor in the workplace with that person walking straight past your door, I feel like that will become more real to you as you read it in your workplace. So That one stood out to me, if you'd like to try that as well. Another sub-point to that was midday kneeling prayer. Um, I haven't put it on the PowerPoint, but that was all about embodying your spirituality in the workplace. So centering um, your head, your hands, and your heart in your workplace. Um, I thought that was really, really powerful reading that, um, connecting them all together. The second thing, um, surrendering your calendar. Um, When we have busy schedules and when our work is very much orientated around tasks, this might be a good practice for you to realize that um, Christ wants to lead your day. He wants, um, he wants to make time for you to spend with people, particular people. And if that's a thing for you where you can take time out, maybe it's the start of the week, uh, to sit down and read over your schedule and pray carefully over what is to come and what the Lord might be calling you to do. Liturgy of commute was an interesting one. If you have a long commute, um, this one might be helpful for you, but if you're a walking distance from your work, um, maybe this one might not be uh, suited to your life at the moment. But this was really interesting. They were talking about the lady, um, I think it was Denise, she has a long commute to work and she would drive past a street and that street would remind her to pray for someone particularly. She would drive past another street and she'd pray for her boss to drive past another street and then pray for the reception staff. It was really cool and she said that that is such a, a, a rhythm and a ritual in her life to be prayerful before she even gets into the building. Further than that, she said she has a card key as well. Um, when she goes into work, she, she prays over the building when she comes, when she um, buzzes her card keyed. Um, just little, little things we can embody um, our worship to Christ and remember that he is with us. The fourth one, I love this one, and it's similar to what Mark uh, shared last week. If we believe God is with us and he can appear to us in unexpected places, our workplace can be considered as holy ground. Now, that could change the whole way that we have our office. Imagine if we we dedicated our office to the Lord and surrendered it to him as soon as we moved in if someone interrupted you, your knock on the door, would that change, would you be frustrated? Or would that change your, your whole direction to be like, oh, this is probably God interrupting me? Little things like that to help us uh, realize that God is with us in our work. As simple as it is, the, um, the series says, whatever you do, work as if you're working unto the Lord. There is no divide between our work and our worship and our worship and our work. It is all one and one in each other. Under the Lordship of Christ, this is made perfect as well. Uh, To physically remind us um, that our work is worship, there's the pencils from today's series. I've placed them under the the cross just to remind us that... uh, our worship and our work fall at the feet of Jesus and they're there and they're one and they're together Um, so may that be an encouragement to you this week as if you use a pencil or not (laughs) Um, just to remember that your work is worship and your worship is your work great if you'd like to join me um, we can say these prayers together Lord, as we scatter to our frontline places, we thank you for the many opportunities to do good in the world. Whatever the tasks of our week, wherever we are, we pray that you will work through them and they will bear fruit for your community. May we do all things attentive to your presence and with a heart set on working at them for you, first and foremost. Amen.